Welcome, you have found Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this is our gift to you in this season, an invitation to four weeks of winter reflections. Because while creation experiences winter, spring, summer, and fall, so do our souls. So come and sit with us for a few stories and readings that we have chosen to give you time to process this season as we prepare for the new year. The episodes are a little shorter, the space a little quieter, but we hope these words, brief as they are, resonate with you this December as much as they have with us. Get comfy, friends. Here we go. Welcome, listeners, to this, the fourth episode of our series of Winter Reflections, Winter Storytelling. Here we are now between Christmas and New Year's, and it's a good time for a story. Grab your blanket, (laughs) sit by that fire if you have one. I have a story to read from a book called The Christmas Chronicles by Nigel Slater. Slater is a cook, a chef, a food writer, a memoirist, and I love his book, The Christmas Chronicles, which actually, despite its name, has stories for November through February, perfect stories for the whole winter season. So here is a little reading called Coming In From The Cold. It is just as good to come in. You stamp to shake the snow from your boots. The flakes of snow on your coat melt instantly. Your glasses steam up. You close the door and thank God you remembered to put the hall light on a timer. You hang up your coat, tug off your boots, and light the fire. You will probably put the kettle on or pour yourself a drink. Not so much as a way to get warm, more to welcome yourself home. Home means more to us in cold weather. Making ourselves comfortable is a duty. Making friends and family comfortable is an art. Come in. Two short words, heavy with meaning. Step out of the big, bad, wet world and into my home. You'll be safe here, toasty and well-fed. Come in. They are two of the loveliest words to say and to hear. Having suggested someone might like to enter, then it is up to us to make them feel welcome. The words alone aren't enough, and that is where the art comes in. There is almost nothing I enjoy more than welcoming visitors into my home. Full disclosure, I quite like it when they go, too. But in between, in and out, I want them to feel wanted, comfortable, cozy even, and happy. Yes, warm, even in my rather chilly house, but also fed, watered, and generally made to feel that all is well with the world. And yes, I know the world is a storm at the moment, but we all need a safe harbor. A welcome will invariably involve food, and never more so than at this time of year. No, I don't have a tray of warm mince pies waiting. I don't really live that sort of life, but I do like to have a cake of some sort in the house, gingerbread in the biscuit tin, lebkuchen if it's remotely near Christmas, or a fruitcake. I am one of those people who, even in the 21st century, still makes fruitcake. 
Guests only get something savory if they arrive in the evening when I'm eating anyway. This house is always in a state of flux, being an office, photography studio, and workspace all in one. But it is, first and foremost, a home, and I have always been a bit of homemaker. The only thing I ever made in woodwork lessons at school was a coffee table, because I hoped it would make my unhappy adolescent home more hospitable. Our lives cannot always be about other people, love them as we do. We need some time for ourselves. I am never ever without a book, but I do read differently in the winter. My feet curled underneath me, a blanket over my legs. I will always put another layer of clothes on rather than turn the heating up. I dislike intensely an overheated room. But I am getting ahead of myself. It is the months prior to the arrival of the winter solstice on December 21st that I look forward to as much as anything. That first nudge that the summer is finally exhausted and we are slowly sliding into the golden days of another autumn. The slide is often protracted, but last year I distinctly remember the moment we had eaten lunch in the garden, the last in a long good summer of eating outside. The dahlias were collapsing into the flower beds in a tangle of burgundy and brown. The leaves on the midler tree had turned as yellow as a ripe quince. Dinner had been, at the last moment, bolstered by a dish of roast potatoes. Suddenly from nowhere, the smell of drifting wood smoke— and yet not a garden fire in sight, followed in a heartbeat by the urgent need for a jumper, another glass of wine. The season had, in the space of an afternoon, turned. You either get the cheer of winter or you don't. Some are rarely happy in fresh air. They only want to eat outside when the air is heavy and hot. But the mood is changing We are at last seeing cafes hanging blankets and woolen throws over their outdoor seats for us to wrap ourselves in as they do in Scandinavia. Sadly, too many are often accompanied by the dreaded outdoor heaters. I have happy memories of flasks of hot drinks on cold walks, of winter picnics of sugar-encrusted cardamom buns and hot coffee. And yet we have a long way to go before we see the cold the way some of our neighbors do. The negative vocabulary of winter is well used. It's so cold is almost always said in a negative sense. Yes, I usually say invigorating, isn't it? A sentiment often met with a look of bafflement. We talk about fighting the cold, battling the elements, and cold comfort. The dead are cold, and we give people the cold shoulder. You can argue that statistically more people take their own life in cold countries, Yet those same countries with their long winters and fewest hours of daylight continually come out top in quality of life surveys. Go figure. I pick a newspaper article about winter, totally at random, from the internet. And within the first three paragraphs, the author trots out bitter, plummeting, battered, dire, freezing, awful, discontent. And then the ultimate snowmageddon. Finally, with the vocabulary of negativity exhausted, we get click to see our countdown of Britain's worst winters. Not a single word in praise of an entire season of the year, which is, in an average lifespan, 
over 20 years of our life. In my book, that is far too long not to enjoy ourselves. I love that we end with the reminder from the gardener that winter is itself a season to be celebrated because as we began with your post on Instagram that talked about how what is buried under the ground in winter is, in a word, hope. So we end our winter reflections with a poem by John Blaise from a collection of poems called The Jubilee. This poem is called and the greatest of these. Until your tears have fermented, they are only water, easily mistaken for raindrops. But should you endure the season, your grief might turn to wine. Your sadness might become the spirit others will travel far and wide to taste. Know that the season is often long, the weather harsh and inappropriate. There are no guarantees. Only hope, wait, and see remain. And the greatest of these is hope. Which, friends, we hope you are bringing with you into the new year. Thank you for traveling with us through these winter reflections. We look forward to bringing you new ones in spring and summer and fall throughout this year coming ahead. But in the meantime, thank you for keeping us company here at the podcast table. <laughs>